Hey everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom Reviews, the new HBO series, Gentleman Jack. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm excellent. Johnny, I want you to know it's funny because Toast shows up every time we podcast. Oh, yeah. Toast the cat. Toast the cat. He spends most of his days up in the uh, yarn room or the bedroom, but he seems to know when we're going to podcast. He shows up. It's just so weird to me. Cats have a knack for stuff like that. I think he's trying to get his own show. Well, he knows you're not going to get up for a while when he hears that. Oh, well, that may be. But how does he know I'm talking to you? That must be your tone of voice, something. Maybe. Um, So welcome, Toast, to the broadcast. Pop Toast. (laughs) Pop Cat. That could be a spinoff. Yeah. Uh, So it's been a while since we got a post office update. But I understand you have sort of a quasi-post office update for this uh, installment of Pop Mom. What's up? Well, it was very exciting. My sister said she found some pictures of me as a baby. And I only have uh, one picture of myself as a baby. And I'm propped up on this plaid, really quite ugly, plaid chair that my parents had. And I looked somewhat like a melted candle in it. And so I've never really seen a picture of me, you know, as a small child. Yeah. And so I couldn't wait to get the, these pictures. Well, they came today and I, in the process of her telling me she was sending them and, and actually getting them, I forgot. So I thought for some reason she might be sending me a mother's day card or you know, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So I opened it up and I said, oh, these are the pictures. These are the pictures. And uh, one of them is a picture of you in a red suit. One of them is a picture of Merrick. Then one of them is me with my dad and two of Carol's friends, my sister, and Carol and me in the front looking down at the sidewalk. So I still, I, <laughs> I still have no idea what I look like. Oh, jeez. So that is my uh, mail story. As much as it is fun to get mail, it's fun to get fun mail. Yeah, this was uh, a parcel of disappointment that you received. A little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it didn't look like anybody was saying, look at the camera or... Uh, you know, so I don't know really what it's a picture of. It's at this but point, really it's kind of me. like the old "It's Pat" sketches on SNL, where every time you thought you were going to find out whether <laughs> Pat was a man or a woman, you, your hopes would be dashed somehow. Yeah. Just the detail that yeah. you were all looking at the sidewalk. Boy, I guess those "It's Pat" sketches probably haven't aged too well, have they? Uh, yeah, I guess not. Not really very PC. Mm, no. Uh, you know, Dad and I were talking about this week about how words fall in and out of, well, mostly out of use. 
Mm. Um, and we're still a little puzzled, and forgive us, okay, yeah. but we're still a little puzzled about Oriental. Yeah. Enlightening. Well, words just shift over time. I think that the underlying issue with Oriental is that it paints with a very broad brush and okay. uh, incorporates, depending on the context, a huge mass of people in in one word, people that maybe would like to be distinguished from each other. Now, the thing is, is that we do say Asian, maybe South Asian or Southeast Asian, if you're mm-hmm. if you're being wordy. So who say, who's to say it couldn't have gone the other way, but it didn't. So Oriental is the word that you don't use anymore to indicate that you're conscious of the fact that this is a varied people. It doesn't necessarily make semantic sense, but it's all about cultural context. So I think that's why Oriental uh, fell out of use. And not to get too academic, but the whole concept of Orientalism is at the basis of postmodern thought. This notion that there's an Occident and an Orient. Well, I think I'm just getting too deep into the weeds now. Yeah, because you know I'm not understanding what you're saying, and I'm pretty sure you're still speaking English. So, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just one of those things. I think is the and you just have to keep up on it to indicate your respect. It's the okay. changing words is just a baseline indicator of awareness and respect. And if you try to get too into the actual meaning and function of the words, devoid of cultural context, of course it doesn't make any sense. All right. Well, then, you know, I would like somebody to put that on Twitter so that I know that, you know, that I'm not offending somebody because I just don't know. I, you were the one that said, Mom, we don't use that word anymore. So uh, I don't I need a reference point for that. But, you know, I guess it's similar to like when you say you people. Yes. You know, yes. That's sort of offensive, even though it means, you know, the words are not offensive, but it's like you group of people, you. Nobody likes being lumped into a group, I think. Right. Exactly right. It's just something I obsess about because I'm so afraid of, like, there's going to be a new word this week that I'm saying all the time and it's not appropriate. Hmm. Yeah, it's understandable because people aren't um, very forgiving sometimes. You know, in my circle of people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which consists mostly of Toast and Daddy, you know, they're not really telling me what, what, what we're all saying now and what we're not. You know, I have no idea what the kids are saying anymore. Right. Um, skirt, skirt, I gather they're saying. Skirt, skirt, but... right. Um, that is the phrase that has officially made me feel old with a capital O. I have, yep. I have crossed the Rubicon. I will never be young again. Yep. Farewell. As soon as I heard it, I, I was just like, oh, took off my cap, hung it on the wall. And I, I, <laughs> I instead put on my, um, Kangol beret yep. uh, to signify and that now I am you now can an old start man. start growing a gut yeah. to hang over your pants, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then, then you'll be senile like me, and you'll even remember what words to yeah. say. So, uh, fun awaits, fun awaits, <laughs> as you found out this week. Uh, how, how's, oh, you mean you're talking about Leo and the clock? 
No, I'm talking about you and thinking you can just down a double shot of... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, um, Sunday morning, uh, I'm taking Leo to gymnastics, and I order, for whatever reason, an extra shot in my morning latte. And I didn't have anything to eat. This was the other um, inspired choice I made this morning. Yes, I did yes. share a muffin with Leo, but he's not the best sharer, so I think he ended up eating a little more than half. Um <laughs> And my tummy felt bad a little while after this, as of course it would. Um, but it never, it didn't go away. Right. And then the next day it didn't go away. And then Tuesday morning rolls around and I still just feel like not a human being. Like my stomach is just has, it used to be when there was a problem with your uh, Macintosh computer, a really bad problem, you would start it up and this picture of the computer would appear with this lopsided like frown <laughs> on it. And it was just the perfect icon to represent to the user that like, it ain't working right and I don't know what's going on. That was the computer's message to you. This was my stomach's message to me for the first, <laughs> the first half of this week. But I made a quick stop at the doctor's office and took some Nexium. And, you know, Big Pharma is a scourge on this country, but they have some good ideas. And uh, Nexium is your one mom. of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you certainly get credit for recommending Nexium. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm feeling better. Long story shirt. Long story shirt. Now. Oh, you tried to say skirt, skirt. That's That's right. <laughs> you and I should. Uh, Make T-shirts that say "Long Story." <laughs> no, <laughs> we should. Long story short, uh, but a long story short, mm. uh, my tummy hurt, and it's because I'm old and I can't eat or drink whatever I want anymore. Yes, I'm elderly. But but you can with Nexium. You can eat <laughs> anything. You could eat your car if you take Nexium. Yeah. I mean, not that you would want to, but that didn't make any sense. You could eat your car with Nexium. That should be their. Yeah. That should be their commercial. That's. <laughs> you think Nexium won't cure your heartburn? Well, watch me eat this automobile. You know, speaking of eating stuff, Merrick, your brother is in New York City as we speak, and he went to Donut Plant this morning. <laughs> is this another Donut Plant plug? You better believe it. They're not bad. They're not great, though. Oh, come on. Those square ones, forget it. Really? You think that? Yeah. Although, actually, I did have a square one, and it was more salty than it was sweet. They're overrated, I think, the donut plant donuts. Well, I I, I have a hard time saying something nasty about a donut, because, you know, <laughs> they're my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as you're taking that Nexium. That's right. You can eat as many as you like. You could even eat Dunkin' Donuts, which are really horrible. Um, again, I won't have you besmirching the Dunkin' Donuts name here on the podcast. Well, <laughs> that is just my personal opinion. Dunkin' Donuts used to, you know, got to make the donuts. Do you remember those commercials? Got to make the donuts. Of course they I were do. made fresh yeah. every four hours. And now they're manufactured in some plant like McDonald's food. It all comes out of the same machine. Uh, manufactured with love, I think you meant to say. <laughs> they're horrible. They bring them in in a big truck that God knows what it had in it. Probably donuts was in the truck before, right? Don't you think? It's a donut truck? 
No, it's not a donut truck. It's just a trucking truck. Mm. It could have had anything in I it. I think they set aside special trucks only for the donuts. I'm pretty sure. No. Yep. <laughs> no. Dunkin' Donuts is just terrible. It's a New England tradition, mm. but it's horrible. Terrible. Okay. okay. All right. I get it. All right. Now I got to read this ad. Just a second. Looking for a sweet treat? Stop by your local Dunkin' Donuts for a delicious, freshly made donut. <laughs> we should have a sponsor. Why don't people send us free things to talk about? Because we're just not big enough, Mom. We're a... Well, we need to get big enough. Because, you know, Ellie, your friend Ellie, and her friend Helen, they seem to get a lot of free stuff over there in the UK. Well, Ellie is a... Mom's talking about Ellie Gibson, who I used to work with way back in the day uh, on video game stuff. One of the funniest people I've ever met. She is the co-host of the Scummy Mummies podcast, and they do live comedy shows as well in the UK. Yeah, she's quite funny and quite successful. People just like her better than you and me. That's all there is to it. Oh, that makes me so sad. Oh, well, let's get some more listeners right now, okay? I'll do a real ad. All right. Ready? Okay, okay, here we go. Are you looking for a last-minute Mother's Day gift? Well, there's nothing better than a subscription to Pop Mom. Now, I know what you're saying. Oh, I've got a last-minute gift picked out. I'm just going to get her a houseplant or a cup or a shelf. All right, just stop right there, okay? First of all, you're just naming things that you can see in the room around you. The jig is up. Second of all, your mom doesn't have to know that the Pop Mom subscription is free. Tell her, Ooh. yeah, tell her it, it's a fifty nine ninety five value that you're going to give to her for free, and then just say, "Let me borrow your phone and open her podcast app and subscribe her to Pop Mom." She'll be none the wiser. Love it. And now you'll have someone to talk about Pop Mom with. In fact, you can do your own Pop Mom by calling up your mom to talk about the podcast. And then record that and send it to us. And, you know, if I get around to it, I'll listen to it. I really don't have time, to be honest. So, in conclusion, it's the perfect Mother's Day gift, a Pop Mom subscription. Get it for your mom today. And then spend the money on booze or whatever, you know? Oh, Johnny, that's not nice. I think that's going to get us a lot of listeners. Do you? You know what else moms like? Socks. Ah, jeez. You and the socks. I just, I just, I always like a new pair of socks. I don't know what's wrong with you. I just don't think it's that great a gift. <laughs> but all you right, know, well, what the last time get? we had this argument, people came on Twitter and just told me to shut up. They said, "Hey, <laughs> you, shut up. Socks are great. Go away." That's right. That's right. So, what, what delightful gift have you chosen for the mother of your children? Oh, I haven't gotten her anything yet. And. Do you plan to? Yeah, I'm going to get her a uh, a cup or a uh, no. microphone. A microphone. <laughs> You're just naming stuff in the room. No. I sent her a box of stuff. Oh, good. Maybe I can intercept that. It's I addressed it to her. You'll see. So you'll get you'll uh, get in trouble if you open it. It would be a federal offense. So I hope you can beat what I sent. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Now I've turned this into a competition. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. I think you did. Yeah, well. It's time now for an occasional feature uh, that I'm debuting on this episode of the Pop Mom program. 
It's called Stuff Mom Texted Me. Uh, and I should make mom and the listeners aware that mom has veto power on any of these topics. So I'm not going to indiscriminately expose our private conversations, but I am going to indiscriminately expose this. Uh, a story with the headline, Cliff Kellerman tries to cover up a loud fart with a fake cough. Uh, you didn't like this story. This was texted to me by mom one day, one morning, just out of the blue. Why did this catch your eye and make you think of me, Mom? This story, it's on Barstool Sports, uh, and it's about a broadcaster who seemingly tries to cover up a fart, although the footage is not that convincing. Well, I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very funny because you always try to be very proper. You know, like I would never want to burp when I was talking to you here on Pop Mom, but, you know, in person, (laughs) I'm sure that I have on occasion burped. And I know that you have, you know, broken the sound barrier. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. You know what? I was going to let it I was going to let it slide. (laughs) But you had to come out and put it on me. I just want the listeners to know. (laughs) Speaking of breaking the sound barrier, Jesus. My mom has unleashed some of the most thunderous belches you'll ever hear anyone let loose. And again, it's not something I would want to talk about on the air, but you had to be extra mean. So I just want people to know that um, as far as decibel level, when it comes to intestinal gas, no one can shape a sound cone quite like my mother can when she feels like it. So that is that is quite true. That is quite true. Now, proceed with your story. Well, I forget what my story was. <laughs> Talking about the article about a, a oh, uh, oh, fart. Oh, right. Well, because if you can hear the fart, it's, it's very funny um, because I am a great believer. Uh, this, is, this is sort of embarrassing. But I believe, well, I'm not very good at slipping out a little gas. Mm-hmm. I'm very poor at it, uh, in fact. And so I'm a believer if you just keep talking to somebody or just pretend it didn't happen, nobody will say anything. Right. So I believe that this man has that same philosophy on it. And, uh, you know, I sort of admired seeing my philosophy in action. <laughs> I see. Um, so to fill in the picture for people, I click on this link, and it's. Um, I said the headline reads, Cliff Kellerman tries to cover up a loud fart. The story is actually about ESPN broadcaster Max Kellerman, and apparently this Cliff thing is a nickname that some Boston fan grievance. I, don't, I can't be bothered. Um, but it's Max Kellerman, and... Uh, uh, yeah, it looks like maybe he's trying to cover up a fart, but it wasn't the sort of broad, hilarious broadcast moment I expected it to be. So I was a little let down. I you because I, I demeaned myself enough to click on the link, seeing what the headline was. <laughs> well, you have to look at it if I sent it to you. Well, of course, yeah, but then it just didn't pay off with the gut busting laughs I hoped to experience. No pun intended. So well, I'm sorry. But, you know, he doesn't have a microphone in that area of his body. (laughs) But, you know, it was loud enough that the microphone picked it up. So I think it's funny. Is it loud enough? 
Well, you should listen to it again. <laughs> you... Because it's right when he coughs, and it, and you definitely can tell that he did that. Okay, I'll listen to it again. Okay. So that's something Mom texted me. Cliff Kellerman tries to cover up a loud fart. Um, if you want to see the link, just search for that on Google. It's Barstool Sports. But what are you reading this for, Mom? This Barstool stuff is garbage. Well, because they have, they they do talk about sports. They they do every day have a lot of boobs on there. So if you're into that, it's uh, <laughs> all yeah. you know. You might want to sign up for their newsletter. I signed up for their newsletter uh, unwittingly. Um, I guess I just never bothered to not subscribe to it. Wow, you're their I, you're, you are their ideal customer. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm just who they're looking for. Okay, this has been things that mom texted me or stuff mom has texted me. I don't really know or care what the segment is called. How do you think it went the first time, mom? I enjoyed it. Okay, good. <laughs> Shall we uh, move on to our review of Gentleman Jack? Yes. Uh-oh, okay. Hey, I know what you're all thinking. Here's yet another television show about a gentleman. No thanks. Click stop on your podcast player. No, wait, don't be so hasty. The twist of Gentleman Jack is that Jack is not a gentleman at all. She is, in fact, Anne Lister the 19th century English landowner and avid lover of women, see, aren't you glad you kept listening, whose disregard for gender norms earned her a reputation in the town of Halifax. The series is based, to some extent, on the real Lister's diaries, in which she chronicled details of not only her daily life, continuing work on her estate, her shrewd business dealings, but also, in coded passages, her relationships. No decoder ring is required for the TV show's many scenes of high-society same-sex kissing. Here's a clip. I was only over at Lightcliff. Yes, we didn't know that, did we? Thank you, Marion. You're impossible. Yes. You're ridiculous. You're so selfish. Quite possibly. Now, I need to talk to Aunt Anne. Will you, in future, think about others whilst you live in here? Was. Yes, certainly. Thank oh. you. She needn't. We all do. As long as you're all right, that's all that matters to me. Where were you? It's been a rather unusual day. And a happy one. I was with Miss Walker. We've become friends. She confides in me. We talk about all sorts of things. I think she's become really rather fond of me. I had begun to wonder, not that anything's been said yet, if she might make a companion for me. New episodes of Gentleman Jack premiere Monday nights on HBO. Mom, on the matter of Miss Lister, do you wish you could have kissed her or wish you would have missed her? Oh, well, I think you already know. I wish I could have missed her. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand this show at all. I don't understand why somebody made it. Well, it you can understand why they made it, right? Because the premise is pretty intriguing, isn't it? These real diaries of... Uh, I feel like the material is enticing. Well, I, then I'd like to see the material. 
Okay, so even when we get to the meat of what this is all about, that she's gay, I'll, I'll just say, I don't know yeah. how they handled it. They just whispered about her back in yeah. her time, I guess. They said she was not to be trusted in the company of women. That was their That was the term that keeps coming up. Yes, yes. But even the parts that were, uh, if you will, sexual, looked more like, an Easter egg hunt amongst the petticoats because he just it just shows her throwing you know searching through the I don't know it just I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I but was not very uncomfortable, the... but you know, and I don't mind I don't mind seeing yes. two exactly. women that doesn't exactly. bother me. It was just like. She, there was no sensuality in no, it. No, I know, and I, I wanted to clarify that point just so people were knew what you were getting at in case they haven't seen the show. I, we could stop the review right now. I'm not sure we're going to get a better turn of phrase than Easter egg hunt uh, in the petticoats because uh, that's perfect. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of kissing, and it is treated as quite uh, enthralling. And scandalous, which may be the first time it is because you're seeing this woman who Ann Lister is taking up with get swept up in the emotion of this right. taboo experience. But the fifth or sixth time we see it and it's treated with the same slow music buildup and lingering shots and yeah. none of it sexy, none of it um, strangely unsexy. The fifth or sixth time yes. you see that, it's just like, well, what what are we doing here? Like, you guys realize that, okay, this was deeply scandalous in 19th century England. It's 2019. We're not scandalized by this. Exactly. But the exactly. show seems to think we act like we are, doesn't it? Well, that's why I'm saying I didn't know what to, you know, I just didn't know how to come at it because it didn't hit me in any of the right places they're they're still hiding behind it all so it's not out in the open okay um you know i get and i get the idea that it's in this time period in you know in the early 1800s i get that but i need more story than this you know and yes she's a very forceful uh woman with a real head on her shoulders and I realized that for that time rather unusual you know outspoken whatnot but you know as you say it's 2019 uh, I've seen this I had an interesting arc in terms of my enjoyment of this show I came okay. in on the second episode which you know I'm fine with that I do not need to see something from the beginning uh, I came in on the second episode, and I just was on board. I loved the character. I loved watching her wheel and deal with the coal stuff. A lot of a lot of it did feel at times a touch generic, but I was like, "Well, it's a second episode. The premise is so novel. All everything else will develop." And then I watched right. the third episode, and it just felt like all the same beats and all the same superficial. It has that soap opera feel, and I understand it was it was created by someone who has done soap operas in the past. It often had that soap opera oh. feel of going through the motions of advancing the story, but not actually advancing the story. I just yes. couldn't believe yes. how 
the third episode did nothing more. Yes, the story advanced new things happened in a sense, but it didn't feel like it because it was all so by the numbers and straightforward Y follows from X. Well, well, it start it starts because in part in in episode two, they're saying, well, this is how you should approach it. You should say this and you should do that and you should so that you can get this and that. And then all that actually happens in the next episode. So it does seem like it's moving at a glacial (laughs) speed. That's right. Um, Yes. Yeah. So I think that's what you're feeling. As I used to watch soap operas back in the 70s, I think, maybe the 80s, I don't remember. A little bit into the 80s, Um, yeah. Yeah. And and so that's the technique. The technique is you you feel like you already saw it because they've talked about it so much already, Mm. but you haven't. And now here you get to see it. And it's like, that's what, how they said it was going to go. <laughs> what did you want? There are moments um, where she stops to talk to the camera. and I did not like that. That just blew it all for me. Yeah, that's, that's always a dangerous tool. And in the third episode, they do it for about five seconds. And it just feels tossed in. It's like innovative with scare quotes around it. Like I would even put two sets of square scare quotes around it because that's how far removed it is from yeah. actual innovation. Um, it's did they, it did nothing for the story or for the moment. Right. Um, it, in fact, it was the most obvious aside. She's canoodling with her new lover and um, the younger woman, not that young, but she's the somewhat younger woman says, have you ever done this before? And Miss Lister says, no, and then makes eyes at the camera. And it's just the most obvious point for her to have this little aside. Um, and it adds nothing. It adds nothing. But also, this person that she's canoodling with, we've sort of got the impression that she's a little uh, soft in the head, if you will. There's not really anything wrong with her that I can see, but maybe she's very sheltered or something, very innocent. So, so that she, so that Miss Lister looks like Simon Legree to me. Now she's now she's dragging me into this, and I'm saying, no, thank you. I want no part of this. You, you do your thing, and I'm gonna just watch it from over here. I was surprised to learn that she's as old as she is because she is played younger and more naive than it seems like she ought to be. She does come off as a dummy. The the lover. The lover. Yeah. Yeah. Let me flesh out the picture for people. The show really follows, uh, mostly follows this woman, Ann Lister. She's uh, wheeling and dealing for coal that happens to be on her property, um, impressing all the men around her with the fact that she's not a pushover. We see that scene a couple hundred times. Uh, we So we see her wheeling and dealing with her business. We see her interacting with her family who are various levels of bemused by her. She drives her sister crazy. Um, but the main thrust of, of her storyline is this new lover, um, another society person, and the scandal of, of their budding relationship. And it's just the most straightforward 19th century England you could get. There's nothing novel about this world. There, uh, uh, yeah. Let me, let me interject here that 
<clears throat> Miss Lister goes so far as to build a sweet little cottage in the middle of the woods for her to have some meetings with this this younger lover of hers and and yet they're still fooling around in in the younger lover's house and I'm not saying you know okay she's okay being out in the open but my god they're they're like in her drawing room in this girl's drawing room when indeed someone just does come in eventually and catch the two of them you know why don't why don't they just can't they confine their lust for each other until they go out to the cottage i don't just didn't make any sense it seemed that you know you're telling me how sharp miss lister is and yet here she is just acting like a a dog in heat well, it's difficult to tell what level of secrecy they want to maintain. It's not very sharply written in that respect, because sometimes it seems like Miss Lister is ready to, for it all to be out in the open, and her lover, whose name is, is Anne, I believe. Um, Anne Walker is her lover's name. We can establish that. Sometimes it seems like Miss Lister wants it all to be out in the open, and then there are moments where they're talking about that and she hesitates, and it's not very clearly written in terms of why she is hesitating or not. I couldn't get a beat on her desires or quite on the desires of Miss Walker. It's just too muddy and needlessly muddy. Not, I'm not saying mysterious, right? It's just hard to figure out right. the sort of basic aspect of the emotional story being told. Yeah, just tell me what's going on. I can, I'm here, I'm watching, so tell me something. It's a very well-kept secret. <laughs> I just, I just think it's, I think the the components in it, it's not especially, the story is not compelling. I, I watched uh, Downton Abbey, okay, um, which I realize is another time period, and, and yeah, it doesn't have that richness of story, uh, and I think it could have, I think it could have, but it didn't. Mm. And, and, and it portrayed her, Miss Lister, as, I think she's very stereotypical in what we would imagine yes. uh, her to look like and act like, and okay, we get it. And it just, I just don't see the point in watching it anymore. I don't, I don't understand. Well, neither do I, and I'm baffled as to what intrigued me uh, so much in the second episode. But I wasn't well, intrigued maybe for it was long. The prospect of the Easter egg hunt amongst the layers <laughs> of clothing. I don't know. Does that excite you? Don't answer that. I really don't want to know. Um, she certainly does jam her fingers down there with impunity. Yes, she does. And then there, oh, and then there are also flashbacks to her, uh, her former lover who ends up marrying a man. You know, ends up deciding to yeah to go in another direction, and and she is heartbroken. But I guess, and and this is television's fault, I think. You know, I want to know. Well, does she act out? Does she rob a bank? Does she kill someone? Does she? Who who is she, and is she is she related to what was his name Joseph Lister, who started you know washing your hands and all that stuff? Wait wait wait, we can't there, go down. We, what is this? <laughs> you just took the wheel of the car and and turned it off the road there? 
Well, the reason I asked that is because I just don't understand what her story is, and I'm looking for yes. a foothold. Yes, uh, and uh, so have I. Uh, in when you said she's heartbroken that her former lover gets married to a man, yes, she is. But how do we really know? Uh, she tears up the letter or the invitation, and the invitation, she goes yeah. to the wedding, and she's grumpy, but. As we've said a couple times now, it's everything you expect and nothing distinctive. I guess that's what gets me about it, Mom, is this is such a distinctive person in the historical record. Not only a woman who loved to be with women in 19th century England, which I'm sure plenty of those existed, but someone who kept a diary, a detailed diary of what her life was like. And even, yeah. I love the detail that she went so far as to encode the passages that were about her love affairs. To me, it's such a singular piece of history. To have it treated in this paint-by-numbers fashion, yes, it's filmed beautifully, not very artistically, but, you know, nice no. cameras, well-lit, all that. Yeah. Nice costumes. But there's no singular artistic voice to it. And it's almost baffling to me how you could drain the individualism out of this person but and out of this story. But they have. Yeah. And they've thrown in elements. You mentioned Downton Abbey, and I don't think you were asking for a sprawling ensemble on the level of Downton Abbey, but you made reference no. to the richness of narrative on that show. And the B stories are stuff like central casting, ruddy-cheeked, somewhat simple servant fellow marrying the beautiful foreign uh, maiden. And it's all so painfully trite. And every time that ruddy-faced fellow came on the screen with his dumb smile, I just thought, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and it's always the same, just him sort of fumbling with his hat and, and being adorable and somewhat um, dim. <laughs> And we're supposed to be delighted yeah. by this. I mean, it's the it's just so played. Why did this artistic team take on this material if they had this little to bring to it? Well, that's what I would like to know. Did they think they were producing the next Downton Abbey? Did they? What did they think? And then they were going to make it cheeky because she's going to talk to the camera, and yeah, yeah. It just it doesn't work. This is just does not deliver. This does not deliver. Yeah. There's no meat. No, there's no meat. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I would like to really remind you that you picked this lemon. Well, they don't all, all have to be winners. Well, this one sure isn't. This one sure isn't. I'm not going to finish watching it, are you? Oh, no, I'm done. Yeah. Because I just want to say, if you're gay, God bless you. I'm not shocked. And I hope you're having fun. And so I don't know what they were going for. I, I don't have a clue what they were going for. It is a series where they, um, I think there's a cynicism at the root of it. And both in terms of the makers of the series and in terms of HBO, the subject matter seems to lend itself to the moment. Transgressing against gender norms. A woman making her own path, you know. I'm sure it was pitched as a series for this Me Too moment and for this moment in the evolution of how we think about gender. And the irony of it is that it has totally old-fashioned and played ideas about storytelling. 
any transgressive juice that it could have had in the mm. in the hands of a I don't know of a more ambitious or more visionary creative team. Ooh, yeah, is not is just not on display here, and it's a shame. Well, it is a shame. <clears throat> it it really is a shame, and I I'm confounded by it. So, uh, you know, the reviews that I read of it after I watched it. After I watch something, then I try to read the reviews after so that I mm-hmm. can have my own opinion about it first. But they were all so glowing. I, I just I, Yeah, a lot of people like this one. But there were there was a mix. There was a mix out there. Yeah, oh definitely. But I guess I was surprised by the ones that were so ooh, this is uh, you know Yeah, yeah. What's your grade for Gentleman Jack? Oh, I, I'm gonna you know what? It was so sad. I'm going to just give it a D minus because I think that's probably the saddest grade you could get. Mm, it's, it's a grade with uh, spite in its very nature. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A exactly. D minus. Okay. Uh, Mom, you have a good recommendation before we sign off? I do have a good recommendation. This is actually a little graphic novel. I got it at the library. It's called Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It. Um, it's a mother's suggestions. It's written by Patricia Marks who, and Roz Chase. Chast. Who, Chast, who yep. are contributors to The New Yorker. You probably have seen mm-hmm. their, if mm-hmm. you read The New Yorker, you have probably seen this. And it will take you less than half an hour to go through it. But it was very amusing. The, what a collaboration those two have together. So just spot on. And it has just little things that her mother used to say or says that are then depicted with these little pictures. And it's very, very cute. Very cute. And uh, you might even get a couple uh, laughs about it. That's Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It? Written by Patricia Marks with cartoons by Roz Chast. A good Mother's Day gift. This would be a very cute Mother's Day mm-hmm. gift. Mm-hmm. Not as good as a subscription to Pop Mom, but a fairly good Mother's Day gift nonetheless. <laughs> and non-fattening. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. The question is, what should we talk about? Next week, we're going to talk about something interesting. Well, you'll have to come back for that. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends... If you're going to see your mom or talk to your mom this weekend, tell her about it. Just slip it in amid the more heartfelt aspects of the conversation. If you could just put in a plug for us, that would be great. And your mom will appreciate it, too. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.